I am a health and fitness coach. I'm online based from Australia. Australia. That's like one of the things I guess is kind of unique because most of them are from the US, LA area. Yeah, so many influencers and coaches are in LA, which is kind of cool. It's kind of one of those like us over here in Australia think that's awesome, but you know, Australia's pretty cool too. Mm-hmm. Were you, you were born in Australia? Yeah, yeah, I'm from here. My parents are from here. I was actually born in Melbourne, but I live in Brisbane now, which is kind of, I guess, like the LA of Australia. It's more sunny, there's more palm trees, very much um, more like laid back and fitnessy. So, kind of like a little mini California. Mm-hmm. And uh, have you ever been to America or has it been? I know? have. I've been four times, maybe five times actually. Um, it's like my frequent go-to holiday place. Uh, like where? Where? Like LA? Yeah, I've done LA, Vegas, San Fran, New York. I think that's it. Mm-hmm. Just, there was anywhere else. I feel like there's like a fifth place I've been, but I can't remember. But yeah, I'm pretty frequent to I mean, most of the flights from here fly direct to LA, so I usually go to LA every time I go, um, but I've only been to New York three times. What was, like, the most kind of shocking thing between living in Australia and then visiting here? Like, what was, like, the most interesting thing? Um, Well, not shocking, but just hard to get my head around is that we don't tip here. We don't have tipping as, like, a custom, so Mm -hmm. it's really hard to, like, hang of it and learn like the right percentage for each service that always I find that so overwhelming and confusing like I'm obviously happy to tip but it's like I never know how much to give because you know how there's certain ones that uh-huh. you have to do like percent yeah we don't have that here we have like a higher much much higher minimum wage which is like you know usually 20 to 30 dollars an hour is our minimum wage so we just don't have tips are like an extra bonus kind of thing here not like a and you have to do it as a custom. <laughs> oh, you use dollars over there? I thought it was something else. Yeah, no, we have Australian dollars, but our dollar oh. is not as strong as yours. So I think at the moment our dollar only gets us like 80 US cents or something like that. So it kind of sucks. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> so what made you like when you started fitness or did you not? Were you a fitness person when you were a kid? How, how did that go? Um, no, I was really not a fitness person. I was never into sports. I, I did dance. Um, so I did like a ballet and I did grow up in like the dance kind of scene, but I was definitely not a sporty kid or an athletic kid. Like I hated playing sports at school. <laughs> I didn't want to be part of any of the teams or anything like that. Um, and it wasn't really until... I would say like my mid-20s really. So like, I mean, only the last few years have I really been getting into fitness. Um, I just kind of found myself in a place where I was, I would say like fairly overweight for my size. No, I've I've never been like a really big girl or anything, but I just got to a point where I was super uncomfortable and um, just wanted to kind of get a little bit fitter and healthier. So I just started on my own journey in terms of weight loss. Um, And then I started competing and I did my personal training certifications and it kind of all just grew really naturally just from my own journey into helping other people, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Helping people. That's really interesting. Uh, how much like joy do you get out of that? Do you just like helping people? Was that always how your personality was? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a pretty, 
pretty like giving, not that I'm trying to pat myself on the back, but I'm a pat yourself. You know, I like to do things for people. Like it makes me happy to see other people happy. So being able to help them with their health and fitness and having that on flow to their lives, I guess, is like the favorite part of being a coach is when, you know, if a client says, oh, I actually have a better relationship with my partner now because I'm, you know, more comfortable taking my clothes off or I have more energy to play with my kids because I'm feeling myself better. Like that's the kind of stuff that warms my heart and really like reminds me why I do what I do. And it's, yeah, it's a really nice feeling to be able to help give that to people. Do you ever think this is like the kind of path you're going to take? Or? No, I mean, if people knew me five, 10 years ago or in high school, like no one would have expected me to do this complete 180. I'm such a different person now to who I was. And I guess I don't even know how it happened. Like I was never, never athletic, never into this kind of stuff. I didn't get it. You know, I never wore leggings and now it's like all I, all I wear is gym clothes. So it was an unexpected twist in my life, but it was a good one, a welcome one. Mm-hmm. And what made that shift? Was it like something like one day you were just like, I'm changing? Like how did that happen? Um, well, in terms of like my weight loss, yeah, there was like a certain point. I'd been feeling uncomfortable for a while, but there was a certain point. Um, it was like someone's birthday, something like that. There was a bunch of photos. It went on Facebook and I just absolutely hated the way I looked at every single photo. And I just remember untagging myself from all the photos and being so embarrassed that I had like, you know, I'd seen myself as like letting myself go. And I was just like, I don't want to feel like this again. I want to be more confident and healthier and look after myself better so that was kind of a turning point um in terms of just really like getting more into fitness in general um and yeah there wasn't really a turning point career-wise so it was very slow and gradual it was more just like the more passionate I got about learning about things for myself um the more I just kind of added on to that knowledge and went from there mm-hmm. And when when you did you start social like doing doing the kind of uh you know fitness stuff and posting stuff about it and kind of like that? Um, I was like early on, like I had my Instagram from before I even really. Oh, I think I might have lost a little bit of weight before I started my Instagram, but it started as just like a social thing. It was just you know what I was doing with my friends or food or wherever, you know, it was very um, just a personal account and I was just documenting what I was doing and I had people, you know, encouraging me along the way, you know, I'd be like, oh, I've lost weight or I'm doing this at the gym and, you know, my friends would encourage me. So I just kept posting more about it and then people just started following me. I think um, there was a few points early on where I'd lost, I don't know, probably about 10 to 15 kilos, which is like, 20 to 30 pounds um and I'd put a few like transformation photos up and a couple of like bigger um fitness pages on Instagram had shared those um I don't know how they got them I don't know if I just like came up naturally through hashtags and things but um that got me a lot of followers and that kind of just snowballed from there and people kind of just kept finding me and following me which was great so I never really pursued it as like an intent to build a following or anything it just kind of happens which is great <laughs> which i think is the best i think just naturally having things happen um yeah like i didn't i didn't chase it i didn't want to be like insta famous or anything like that i still don't like it's not 
it's not my intention, but it's cool. Like it's a nice little bonus, uh, but it's not something I like actively. Does this, to how does that make you feel? Is it like kind of weird or is it just for you it's normal? Or is it like, oh. Like I, having, having yeah. following you? Yes. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't really consider, I've got less than 50,000 followers. So like I don't consider that to be like huge, but I know that's more than. This is this is the way I tell people like how big something is. It's like you filled up literally a stadium. Like just imagine that many people. That's actually a really cool way to think about it. I never really stopped and thought about it like that. That is pretty rad. But um yeah, I don't know. I mean I guess because my following is very spread out as mm-hmm. well. Like I've got um I've had a look at the little analytics on my um page and I've got about forty percent of my followers are from Australia. Um, I think it's about 25 to 30% are from the US, which is really cool. Um, and then the rest is like a bit of a mixed bag from all around the world. So, you know, it's not like I walk down the street and everyone knows who I am because obviously there's such a small part of my following that are in Brisbane. So, you know, it's it doesn't really come up very often, I suppose, and there's not that many people that I meet that know who I am. But I guess in the fitness community and through friends of friends, it does kind of come up and people are like, oh, I know you. I follow you on Instagram, which is cool. But, um, yeah, it's not really like a day-to-day anything different to a normal person. So, like, um, has as you ran into anyone who just kind of figured out, oh, you're, you're this and that, like, I know you from Instagram, or is it just – People have like stopped me at the gym or, or, you know, kind of like fitness based events and things like that. If I've gone to watch like friends do bikini competitions, I'll often get people stop me there, but um, not in like day to day life. Like, I've never been at the supermarket and someone's been like, hey, I follow you. Like, I don't know if, I don't know if people have seen me and have not said anything, but like, it's, I don't, I don't think that that's a very common thing for me, but definitely at the gym. I don't know if it's just that people happen to have found me through posting my selfies and that's, you know, it's a mutual gym thing and that's how they found me. But, yeah, that's probably the most common place that I think people would come up to me and tell me that they know who I am. But that's cool. Mm-hmm. So what do you tell, like, someone when they ask you, like, what do you do? Do you say you're a personal trainer? Like, how do you kind of approach that? Yeah, I say I'm an online coach, an online fitness coach, because that is primarily where I make 99% of my money from. Um, I actually don't make any money from Instagram in terms of like motion or anything like that. I don't do it because I don't want to be an influencer. Good um, for you. So this is, I like this. I like it. This is a good thing. I always feel I like. It's not super common for people to not want that, but I literally turn down offers for collaborations because I just don't want to be a sellout it's not what i'm here for all right all right uh, that's good that's good okay because i'm the same way like i just don't well i don't even post on instagram i'm more of a twitter person i like words um Mm -hmm. so i guess that's just i don't know my personality i do do the podcast a lot that's kind of my key point um because i feel like it's so easy for people to listen rather than watch I think especially people that drive a lot, podcasts are so good because you can just have it on while you're driving. So it's a really easy way for people to consume your content. Yeah, but then I'm like, you're listening to me in a car. That's kind of weird. So I was trying to No, strange. I think that's cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, so did you, you doing all this kind of fitness kind of thing, when did the 
kind of like affect your social life or has it affected it? It doesn't really now. It did, I suppose, for a period, probably in the early, early days when I was trying to first lose weight, that was where I had encountered a little bit of uncomfortability because I was in a group of friends that, you know, we were like party friends. We would go out and have drinks or go out for food and it'd be like a massive Mexican meal or something like that. Um, and trying to diet around a group of girls who were already skinny and beautiful naturally, like that was really difficult because I was the only girl that was like having to be conscious of that. Um, so I guess that's the first time I ever really noticed it. It wasn't exactly an issue. Like my friends were super supportive, but I think that was the first time I was conscious of, okay, this is going to get in the way a little bit of, you know, I'm probably not going to, when I drink so much when I go out or if I want to hang out with my friends, will they come on a walk with me instead of, you know, going to get greasy food? Or That was probably the first instance. Um, and probably when I was competing, so I was doing um, bikini contests for almost two years straight. So from 2015, start of the year, to uh, about mid-2017, I did nine shows in that period. So I was constantly prepping and pretty much back-to-back shows. I would get to one season and have a few weeks off and then it was straight into prep for the next season. So um, that did definitely affect my social life and um, my relationship with my boyfriend at the time because, it's you know, you just can't go out and eat whenever you want to or you have to be really structured with what you choose to eat. And because I – luckily, at least I follow flexible dieting, so I can Mm -hmm. still – you know, I don't have to bring a tub of my chicken and greens out. You know, I can kind of be a little bit flexible, but it's very limited in terms of like, especially in Australia, we don't have as many places that list um, their like calories and macros on their menus. Whereas I think in the US, almost everywhere has to yeah. list their calories now. At least calories, calories. total. Um, we don't have that here. That's not a rule here. So, um it's a small amount of places that we can actually like go and eat at that I know these are the calories or these are the macros and I can kind of work that into my diet. So it definitely had an impact when I was prepping and especially like later stages of contest prep where I couldn't really eat out because it was just too, you know, if they don't measure the exact portion size, it would throw off my diet and (laughs) it got a little bit difficult. But I definitely don't have any of that now and I think that's just because I – I mean, firstly, I don't compete anymore, so I don't need to be super Uh strict. Um, But I still track my macros. I still train. And I've surrounded myself with really good people who get it and who, you know, most of my friends are super into fitness too. I've got a lot of other personal trainer friends or, you know, some of my clients have become my friends. So people understand a little bit more, I guess, because they are also in that scene. So it makes it a lot easier to have good people around you to get it. Mm -hmm. So what made you, like, stop? Uh, competing was that why did you start and why did you end it um I started as a way to um I guess like achieve a bit of a goal because I had lost weight previous to that but I was still like I felt like I was still a little bit chubby and I was like oh you know I would love to see how good I can possibly look you know um so I just started prepping and I got a little bit addicted to it to be honest, because, you know, I lost a ton of weight. I think I lost about 10 kilos in my, like, 20-week prep. Um, and, you know, I got, like, six-pack abs and I felt like I looked amazing and I was getting all these compliments. So I was like, this is really cool. I'm going to 
keep doing this and keep bettering myself and see like what else I can achieve. So initially it was just, it was a fun thing that I wanted to keep doing. And then I guess that's really where my social media took off Mm -hmm. Um, and people were following my journey and I was kind of vlogging it on YouTube as well and posting a lot of videos and getting a lot of traction on my Instagram. And I think it got to a certain point where my business was kind of building along with that. And I felt like, my business and my social media following was kind of relying on the fact that I was competing. So I think that's why I kept going for so long. Um, you know, I did enjoy it in a way, but I don't think that I have the passion for it that some people have. <laughs> and I kind of resented it towards the end because I felt like I was doing it because I just had to keep it going. Um, so yeah, I finally just had enough. I was like, I don't want to do it anymore. If people unfollow me, that's cool. I just be a normal person and be social and have a life and not have to live my life dieting. And it's a much better life now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can. Yeah. The, and do you feel like you were happier after you did that? After you decided, oh, I'm not competing, especially that much. That seems like a lot. Um, yeah, it was a lot of shows. It was a lot of prep and um My body is very stubborn, so to get as lean as I had to be, I was eating next to nothing, doing two hours of cardio a day plus my training. It was was exhausting, so um, it was a tough decision and I wasn't sure if I was going to permanently be stopping or at least, you know, take some time off. But after a few months, I kind of was like, no, this is so much better to not even be thinking about competing and yeah, I'm pretty sure I'll never do it again now because yeah, things are just a lot better. It's just much nicer to not have that pressure. Mm-hmm. Where was that pressure coming from? Was it just from yourself? Was it from other people? Like how did you kind of get um, that? It was partly from myself, I suppose, but it's also when you're competing, you need to look a certain way and you need to hit certain criteria and you need to, follow the judges critiques and I I don't know if I particularly have the right natural body shape to compete either like I'm my legs quite short my torso is long my midsection's a bit like wider like I don't have a tiny waist and all of those things were just not built in the way that the judges wanted me to look so they would continually give me feedback and I was just like I literally don't know how to improve these things (laughs) so it kind of just got to a point where I was just like this is just not for me it's exhausting trying to please people that are literally unpleasable because I am just you know I can't make my legs longer (laughs) (laughs) that's a a great reason I'd hit a wall in terms of what I felt I could improve in a short period of time and I just was finding myself really exhausted trying to yeah look a certain way for other people because it wasn't even necessarily the way that I wanted to look and I was like well, I would rather just train to look how I want and make myself happy and that's it mm-hmm. do, you, do you have like any passion for other sports anything else different types of categories anything like that or are you just like mm. not really no like <laughs> I don't know I'm not a sport I don't even watch sports or anything like that like I'm not really into it I just I really enjoy training because I like feeling strong and I like making improvements and I kind of just, it makes me feel good. What's a day in the life of Sammy? Like, what is it? What does the day go like? What is like, you know, what, what goes on in your day? Um, all right. Well, I would normally wake up before 6am and I'm most often working by about 7am. 
Um, because, and I mean, I work from home, so it's a pretty comfortable getting to work situation. I just get out of bed and get onto my laptop. <laughs> um, but I have a lot of US clients, so normally uh-huh. when they message me, you know, their daytime is my overnight. So I'll often wake up to a few messages from clients, so I normally get to that first thing. Um, check emails. I'll usually work from 7 a.m. until probably 9.30 or 10 before I take a bit of a break. Um, depending on the day, like I'll usually go to the gym around that time, come back, have lunch, and then work majority of the rest of the day on and off, um, depending on if it's like a check-in day with my clients or um, if it's just like a normal work day. So I have three days a week that are check-in days, which are really big days. I don't usually take any breaks on those days until check-ins are done. So that's quite often like a 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. kind of day. <laughs> oh. and that's three days a week but the rest of the week is a little bit quieter so that's where I can kind of work on projects or um, fine tune like my ebooks or work on social media stuff so it really does differ depending on the day but most of the time I'm working by 7 and I'm often still working at 7 or 8pm but it just depends like sometimes I'll take gaps through the day to go and do some other things oh uh, that's that sounds great. So, uh, how much hours of sleep do you get? Do you get like eight? Um, I, I try and get as much as possible, but I would say naturally I probably would get about seven hours. And that's just because I don't set alarms. Like I don't even remember. Okay. Whoa. Oh, you're, you're unique. I've used to do that. And then I fell out of that. Um, really? Yeah. I think I'm just do it. I, I normally go to bed by about 10 p.m., maybe 10.30, um, and I feel like I naturally wake up sometime between like 5.30 and 6 majority of the time. If I'm still asleep and I wake up at like 7 o'clock, I'm absolutely stoked. I'm so happy, but it doesn't happen very often. I'm normally awake by 6 o'clock. Wow, that's interesting. Do you just wake up like five minutes before? Is it always at 6 or kind of close? It's always different times, but it's usually between 5.30 and 6. Like anywhere in that like half hour period, I'll normally just naturally wake up, um, which is kind of cool that I live a, an alarm-free life the majority of the time unless I have to get up and go to an airport or something. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's been a few months since I've ha- not had alarm. Uh, it's so – I don't know. I don't know. I think you just have to stick to the routine. And then yeah. once you get I'm there, there were, you know, I did used to set my alarm for this time because I wanted to get up and work or I wanted to train before I started work. So I think I've just trained my body and I am a morning person. So I'm not a night person. I get so tired by about 9 PM. I'm just a sloth. Oh, are you very structured person? Like you like ABC, this is what's going to happen. Are you like, do you write things down? No, like I'm so unorganized. Ah, you admitted it. Wow. Well, at least you admitted it. Um, I okay. definitely have some work to do on my, um, you know, I'll write to do lists and things like that, but I procrastinate a lot. <laughs> okay. And that's why. I'm actually in the process of hiring an assistant just on like a casual part-time basis um, to kind of help me like once or twice a week to just make sure I'm doing the things that are on my list because I tend to write to-do lists and have all these like amazing ideas of things that I want to do or like content I want to create or like a YouTube video I want to film or something and I always write things down but I don't always get to them and I hate that. It's one of my pet 
hate about other people as well as myself is like saying you're going to do something and then not following through and it really bothers me. <laughs> so I need to try and be more organized. So I'm not super structured. Um, you know, I'll have a bit of a to-do list and I know what's like urgent to complete that day. I guess, you know, working for yourself you have to have some kind of time management and self-motivation so at least I always make sure I get the urgent things done especially if it's direct client related like if I've got a program to write because the client starts that program the next day like it, it will be written but if there's you know a YouTube vlog or something that I had in mind but I'm oh. like eh, no one watches my YouTube it's fine that can wait you know no one's gonna care <laughs> Oh, that's interesting. Why do you think you procrastinate? Do you think it's just because you're like, you're just prioritizing something else over something else? Like, how do you kind of like yeah. rationalize um, it? If it's directly client related or like business related in terms of, if I do, yeah, if I do this, this will make me money, then I will definitely do it. Or like, if I do this, this will keep my clients happy. I'll always do it. Whereas if it's, something that's just like an optional extra or like, you know, updating some photos on my website or something like that. I'm like, okay, I'm tired. I've already worked, you know, nine or 10 hours today. I don't care about that. I'll do that tomorrow. But then it just kind of keeps rolling over because I just don't have enough time in the day a lot of the time. But, um, you know, that's why hopefully if I get an assistant, I can get some help on those just little bits and pieces that I just never seem to get to. And maybe I'll be a lot more productive hopefully that's that's it i think i think a lot of people need help i feel like it's like you need a mentor and assistant something like that to help you out kind of figure things out yeah yeah do you have a coach yourself or do you not have a coach i do have a coach i have like a health and fitness coach um so Mm -hmm. she just helps me with uh my like programming for my training and stuff like that she keeps an eye on my nutrition just to keep me in check because I have enough clients. I don't want myself as a client. I don't prioritize myself if I'm on my own to-do list. So I was really um, finding it difficult to stay motivated with my training because I would always tell myself I'll write myself a new training program, but I would never get to it. And, um, yeah, I'm finding it a lot more helpful to just put it in someone else's Mm. hands now. I mean, I don't have any huge goals or anything to achieve. It's more so just you know, keeping me progressing and um, keeping my training really interesting. So it's nice to have someone else to ask me how I'm doing because that's what I do for everyone else. But it's like, you know. How are, how are you doing? Like, it's just nice to say. Honestly, it's actually just really nice to have someone just checking up on me and like, how's your training going? How is this? And, you know, how's your life? She's actually really great with that kind of stuff, just, you know, checking up on me because I obviously spend so much time every week checking up on my clients and making sure that you know they're motivated and happy and moving forward and sometimes it can be quite um emotionally draining Mm -hmm. and so it's just really nice to have someone like pet me back up and you know make me spend a little bit of time each week focusing on me to make sure that I'm not just giving and never ever receiving so it's really really nice to have that I think that's been really helpful not only from a personal perspective but also it's been helpful from a business perspective, because, um, you know, doing someone else's training plan means that I'm learning something different or experiencing what it feels like to be a client again, because it's, it's been a really long time. So I think putting myself in my client's shoes has actually been really helpful for my business because it's kind of made me stop and think about questions that I have as a client and thinking, are my clients unsure about this? Is this something I've explained properly to them or, 
you know, this has actually given me a few more little things to prompt my clients with, which has been really good. Have you, any of your clients become coaches as well? Um, I don't know about online coaches. I don't think so, but um, definitely I've had a bunch of my clients end up um, becoming personal trainers, which is amazing. I actually think that's the coolest thing that they have gone from just, you know, a regular person that just wanted to get a little bit fitter to being really passionate about health and fitness and wanting to help other people. So it's kind of cool when that happens. And, you know, I don't see it as competition or anything like that. I, you know, have helped people with their assignments or if they have questions and stuff because I just think, you know, if you're passionate about it, that's amazing. So, yeah, it's been really cool to see a lot of my clients grow and turn this into their own business as well, which is really cool. Yeah, yeah. I always think that's interesting. The coach on coach, it's like the tree of life to me. So it's like, yeah, it kind of whittles down. Yeah. Um, so what when you when you coach someone like what is your kind of method what is it do you ask them like a series of questions like how does that kind of work for you because i think every coach is different in that aspect yeah um well i i definitely have a massive questionnaire that i send to any client before i even sign them up to make sure that we're a good fit um so this is basically all of their like nutrition and training background like what are they doing now what are all their preferences so that I can make sure that their program is personalized to them um and that just also highlights if there's any issues that maybe we wouldn't be a good fit for example you know if they've got any health conditions that fall outside of my scope of practice I'm not going to take them on you know if I have to refer them on or if they've had say um eating disorders recently that's something that I wouldn't be able to take them on so I do make sure that my initial pre-screening is quite extensive to just make sure that I, I fully understand who this client is and how I can help them if I can um, before I sign them up. So then at least I've got a nice clear tick of approval that we can go ahead if, if we can. And then I basically try and learn as much as possible about them to make sure I can personalize their program and their service as best I can. Mm-hmm. And for every individual, do you like, do different diets like keto you flexible like what what is it that you do in that all, aspect? Of, my, all of my nutrition is based on flexible dieting um okay. i don't do keto because i just don't personally believe that keto is an ideal sustainable way of dieting mm-hmm. i'm not opposed to it for certain people but it's just it's not something that i personally implement so if a client comes to me saying hey like i want to join your program but i do keto i'd say i'm not the coach for you because i just i won't I don't think it's ideal for performance Um, and I just don't think it's a long-term way of living. So that's one thing that I don't really do, but um, generally I'll work with most other requests. So if if a client wants to eat paleo, for example, as long as you hit the targets that I set for you, your macro targets, I don't really care what you eat. So, you know, I kind of let them make their decisions in terms of food choices. I have a few clients that do intermittent fasting um, and again, it's not something that I implement for them. Basically, I just set them targets each day and say, these are your macro and your calorie targets. If you choose to not eat until midday, that's totally fine. If you want to eat 12 till 8 every day and that suits you and that suits your lifestyle, as long as it doesn't negatively impact your training or anything like that, then you can go ahead and make your own choices. So I am flexible in that regard because I know obviously everyone has their own way of doing things and as long as it's working and it's not having any negative effects then I'm all for it but yeah keto is probably the one thing that I just Mm -hmm. 
That's interesting. So like, I don't know, because I have a lot of different types of coaches. Some tell me this, some tell me that. Like it's a it's a mixed bag of kind of goodies and um, I'm not saying that keto is not effective. It's definitely effective in in certain circumstances, but I just don't see it as sustainable. And what my coaching is built upon is not only coaching this client to reach their goal, but teaching them a way of life that you're learning about the foods that you're eating, you're learning about the portion sizes that suit your body, and getting into really good habits that you can continue on with for the rest of your life. I don't want them to see it as a diet. It's more of a mm-hmm. lifestyle change. Obviously we center on the, you know, eight, 12, 20 weeks, however many weeks we're planning on working together, but I don't want them to change anything when they're done with me. Basically like my goal is to teach them, this is how you can eat to achieve your goals. You can eat the exact same way once you've reached your goal in terms of maintaining, but just maybe at a slightly higher percentage of calories per day. So you know, I don't want them to cut out any food groups or have to live without their favorite food. You know, if they come to me saying, I am a chocoholic, I absolutely love chocolate. I'm like, oh, we'll give you chocolate every single day, but we'll just teach you to have, you know, 40 grams a day or, you know, whatever works into their calorie intake. And you absolutely don't have to go without that. But let's just show you, this is how you can eat chocolate every day and just maybe take out something else to balance out those calories. So maybe we won't have as many carbs with your dinner and we'll save some calories for some chocolate as dessert. So that's kind of how I like to implement things to make sure that it's a sustainable way and that it actually teaches the client something because I want them to leave me eventually. Okay. That's good. That's so good. I I feel like a lot of coaches want to keep the little bird in the cage for a while. I know. I love it when a client turns around to me and because I'm actually ready to do this on my own, you know, whether they're already at their goal and they're just maintaining mm-hmm. or if they've done eight or 12 weeks with me and even if they've still got a little bit further to go, but they're like, no, I'm actually comfortable that I can actually continue this on my own. I love that because it means like that's my job done that I've actually taught them something that they can continue to implement. So that's kind of what makes me really proud when I do have those kind of moments because I want to leave the client in a better position than when they started with me, not just in terms of results, but in terms of their mindset and their lifestyle to be able to continue on. How many clients do you help at a time? Do you just kind of help 50, 20, 15? Like how do you kind of do that? Um, Um, It depends on the time of the year. I do fluctuate a little bit based on because I do um, a lot of eight-week challenges so I'll be a little bit extra busy when I'm running a challenge because I'll obviously get a huge influx of like inquiries through Instagram and stuff like that. Um, so I'd say the most that I really work with at a time is about 80, um, which Whoa. is quite a lot. <laughs> that is um, a lot. Okay. Yeah, I've, I've heard I was thinking around 40, maybe 30. That's a lot. How do you kind of handle that? Like, um, well, I mean, that's why my check-in days are very long days, uh-huh. but I stagger them across three days. So I'll normally have, you know, 80 people is maybe 20. 25 to 30 check-ins in a day. And some of those clients have worked with me for a while. So it means their check-ins are really quick, easy, you know, they don't have a lot of questions. So some check-ins might only be five minutes, whereas, you know, brand new clients might be 30, 40 minutes back and forth. Um, so it really depends, but because everything's online, it means I can have two or three conversations at a time while I'm waiting for their replies. So 
Um, I'm pretty good at time management in that respect. Um, but yeah, my check-in days are really long days and I basically just don't stop until it's done. So if I'm still going at 10 PM, I'm still going and, you know, I make sure that everyone gets their reply that day if that's their check-in day. Um, so I've just leveraged my time that way that I've split them across three days. Um, and the rest of the week is really not so bad. It's just questions here and there if they need things or if they need to send me, um, like videos to check their form, but that's kind of why I don't get a lot of the other less important stuff done because basically, you know, when I am at that full capacity, like that's about my max, um, there's just no room in my life for anything else. <laughs> uh-huh. um, I, I don't have time for projects. I don't have time for social media. Like at the moment I've been hardly taking any photos or posting content because I just don't have the time. Um, but I like to be more around the 50 mark um, because I find that to be a little bit more comfortable for me that I have a, a bit more free time, less questions. Um, so, yeah, usually between 50 and 80, which I know is a lot, but it is my full-time job um, and I probably work 60-plus hours a week to make that happen. So, you know, I make sure that I'm giving each individual client as much time as they personally need so they know they can contact me whenever they need Um so yeah, I don't know. I kind of need to cut back, I guess, uh-huh. <laughs> so I can get other things done you, at the moment. <laughs> I always say you think so. I don't know. I'm I'm sort of the same. I'm just a kind of a workaholic, but not like yeah. that. Yeah, I don't I know. Just, I feel bad saying no to people if I know it. Oh, okay. Obviously, that gets to a certain point where I'm like, okay, I literally can't take anyone on. Can you wait a few weeks? I'll have an opening. Um, and majority of the time, they'll wait, which is like at the moment, I've got no room for new clients, but I've got a bit of a waiting list, okay. um, which is great. But, you know, when it's a challenge and they're like, please, please take me on, I'm like, okay, it's fine. Like another couple of people won't kill me, but, you know, that's when I end up doing some very late nights but it's very worth it for me and I guess it's more so you know I just make sure that client related stuff never slips if there's questions in my inbox I answer them before I do anything else before I post it on social media or you know do any other like content related stuff or anything that I think is less important like I always prioritize client stuff um so that's probably why I don't get many more projects sorted (laughs) Yeah, definitely. That's that is a factor. But I like that you prioritize that over the other stuff. I mean, the 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 kind of glitz and glamour um, kind of thing. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess that's why, I, like, I don't see myself as an influencer and why I don't uh-huh. take on collaborations because I just don't have the time and I just don't care. <laughs> I don't really care to be paid a few hundred dollars to take a photo of some waist trainer that I don't give a shit about because. I earn a full-time job. You know, I'm not poor. I earn money doing what I love. I don't need to earn money doing bullshit, basically. True, true, true. So what is like, do you think about the future a lot or do you kind of think in the moment? Um, A little bit of both. I worry about the future a little bit in terms of how sustainable online coaching is as a career especially because 100% of my marketing comes from Instagram. And if my Instagram ever disappeared, that would be, yeah, that would be, and that's something that I have to be Mm. conscious of. So I'm glad at least I've got a really good network of clients that, Mm -hmm. you know, I would get referrals and I'd be able to build things back up if that was ever to happen. But 
yeah, it is a little bit of a worry of mine, you know, is it going to be still around in two or three years? But I suppose because I am a personal trainer, you know, I can always go back and work in a gym if I need to or, you know, there's going to be other things for me. But, I, yeah, I don't know how long online coaching will be going. So, like, yes, for now I'm just trying to do the best I can and be a really good coach so that people choose me and continue to choose me and tell their friends to choose me and hopefully I can keep things going. Well, yeah, I, yeah, that gives me anxiety, um, especially with YouTubers and anything like that. Yeah. Like, I just feel this anxiety of like, this thing could blow up in your face. Um, Absolutely. Like Instagram, I've seen people lose their Instagrams the next day and they're like, oh, it's gone. Now they got to start a new one. So that's yeah, like. Exactly. All in an instant. So I guess another reason why I don't want to rely on like an influencer side of things, you know, I've, I've built a legitimate business and while it does rely on Instagram in terms of getting the word out about me, you know, my business could completely run without Instagram. It's more just, I would probably have a little bit of trouble finding new clients, but I'm sure there's always a way I could do that. So at the end of the day, hopefully, hopefully we don't run into that, but, I don't know if even, you know, online training is potentially a fad. Obviously, it's been around for a while, but it's really big at the moment. So there might be a shift in terms of fitness lifestyles. Yeah, Yeah, like maybe people go back to more one-on-one personal training, but at the moment a lot of people are doing both. So you never know. So it is something that I worry about. So thanks for putting that worry back in my head again. Oh, it's look, I, I always tell people this there's like there's like no need to worry because you don't know like why would you worry about something that you don't know what's going to happen yet kind of enjoy the moment like the journey's all about it so um i agree and I, yeah i try not to worry about it but it is something that i'm conscious of so i do take steps to actively cement my business in other ways so that's why referrals are so important to me and that you know i've built a community of clients on my Facebook group, for example. So I've got about 500 or so people in my Facebook group which are either current or previous clients and I keep them all in there. Um, And then that way, you know, if my Instagram went down, I would have 500 people there that could potentially help me. So, you know, it's nice to have a little bit of a backup plan in that regard and I guess just making sure that, you know, I've got a website as well to direct people to um, so that I can, yeah, just legitimise things and not hopefully have to rely on Instagram forever because I'm sure I'm not going to want to have to post selfies forever. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's, that's funny. I don't know. I find this interesting. So <sighs> the, like your, I don't know, your attitude's so interesting. Um, I don't have any questions right now. That's so weird. You kind of left me <laughs> stunned and like, like, wow. Like this is like very, you're not straight. It's strange to me because most people just want, that's what they wanted and they achieved it. And then they're doing these other things. I mean, of course they love helping people, but they also have this other side. Um, yeah. I think a lot of people really focus too much on, yeah, like being Insta famous and making money from doing nothing and getting to go to events or getting, you know, free clothes and getting paid to post. Uh, I have someone that I work, alongside who um she sent me her media kit and she gets four hundred dollars for one instagram story wow. and i just 
yeah, I can't even believe how much people can actually make just from posting something that's one second long. Like it's crazy. <laughs> don't sell out. Yeah. Don't sell out though. I like that you yeah, don't sell like, out. Well, I just, I've got my own business to promote. Mm. So I just simply don't have time to promote other people's businesses. It's not that I never do it. There's definitely brands that I collaborate with. Mm. Like I've got a, um, a supplement company, EHP Labs, that I work with. Um, so they will send me products and, you know, I have a certain amount of posts that I need to do each month, but I don't get paid for that. I, all I receive is, like, products, but they give me product myself. They help me with products for my clients, surprises and things. So it's definitely mutually beneficial. I, I would never want payment because I just, I don't know, it's not my thing. Like, if it's something that I'm passionate about, then I'll post about it on my own accord anyway. Like, they've never asked me to say anything specific or talk about, you know, they're like, this is our product of the month. Like we'll send it to you, but you've got, you know, five posts a month. You can post whatever you want. So if I love the product that they send me, awesome. I post about it. But if I don't really like it, I just post about something else. So um, I try and make sure that everything I do in terms of a collaboration is really authentic and genuine. And that it is something that even if I wasn't being asked to post it or if I didn't receive it for free, making sure that it's something that I would actually use in my everyday life. So, you know, I do some snack collaborations. Snack. Snack. I've never, I don't know, the way you said that, just, that's so Australian, snack. Never heard that. If someone wants to send me some, you know, protein balls or something that I'll eat, that's probably my Uh, most common thing that I will accept because I really like food. That is... (laughs) Things ago, but I always stipulate as well. I'm like, that's cool. I'll do it just for the products. Like, if you want to send it through, I'm happy to post about it if I like it. But I'm letting you know, like, if I don't like it, I'm not going to post about it. So, um, you know, probably means that they send me less things up front. But <laughs> you know, I, I make it pretty clear that I'm not going to bullshit if something tastes rubbish. I'm not going to tell people it's great. <laughs> rubbish, rubbish. I've heard that in a while. Um, so. Do you ever plan on making your own products, whether it's an energy bar, a bar, a uh, leggings, if it's clothing, if it's this or that? Do you ever plan on doing anything like supplements wise, anything like that? Or is that like in the back of your mind, like I shouldn't tell this to anybody yet? Or huh? No, like that's not really, I'm not a merch kind of person. Um, there's not really anything that I'm passionate enough about. Hmm. Uh, so, like, I'm not opposed to something in the future. If I decide that I'm super obsessed with an idea and I want to do it, then sure, like, I'm not going to say no. But there's nothing that I have in mind or that I'm working on because, you know, my coaching business is my business and I think that's most important to me and it takes up so much of my time that I just don't even really have time for any side hustle or, you know, maybe if I ended up with... 200,000 followers, I could sell some t-shirts or something, but even then, I don't know, I feel weird putting my name on things to start my style. It doesn't have to be your name. I feel like you could come up with something very clever. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm definitely not opposed to it. Like, I did, um, like, a limited edition run of, like, booty bands uh um, last year that were purple because, you know, purple's my branding colour, so... I did place like an order for that and I was selling those, but mostly like my clients purchased them, which was good because I could like integrate it into their programs. Um, but yeah, no, there's not really anything that I have in mind, but you know, if anyone has any ideas and wants to 
send it to me. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Send those ideas. Those I, I don't know. I feel like a lot of there's a lot of ideas out there. Um. Mm. So, and some people are really clever. Like, like they come up with stuff that I've never heard of, and it's just what. Um, like, uh, I met the person who made TRX. Have you heard of TRX? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I forget, I don't know, it was a while since he he told me the story, but the way he did it was basically he had a rope or not his rope, I think it was a belt, and he just started doing all these exercises with it and figured out that like, hey, like this, you can do this in cramped spaces, you know, a lot of people live in small apartments and this and that or you know, uh, they, they don't have the equipment they need. So let's do, you know, there's so many things you can do with this. So like, I find that fascinating that you can come up with like an idea that nobody yeah, kind of. Like that's, that's really cool. I think if it was something that tied into my coaching business, so if it was some kind of equipment or something like that, then maybe, but also, you know, there are so many companies already doing that. And I just, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't want to do something to sell just because it was mine, if that makes sense. So, like, I don't want to be like, oh, Sammy Rose, I don't know, leggings, and it's like they're not great leggings. They've just got my name on them. Like, I wouldn't want to sell things just because it's mine. Whereas if it was something that was, like, a genuinely amazing product and it was something different and something that people would buy because they need it and they can't get it elsewhere, then that's probably more the route that I would go down. Like, if I developed something from scratch, then that would be really cool. But... Yeah, nothing, nothing that I've really thought about. Jump ropes? I don't know. I always think, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Do you do you like jump ropes at all? I've always found that most fitness pers- people don't like it as a tool. I don't really, I don't, I'm not against it, but it's not really something that I use in my own like routines, and it's not really something I write for clients either, unless I ask for it. Um, but you know, it's good for little hotel workouts and things like that, mm-hmm. I suppose. Also, it's very difficult. Like for, for me, if you're not coordinated, it's not it's not the funniest yeah. thing to do. I'm myself a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You would jump, and then you'd be like, "Oh, I jumped too early. This is not going to be yeah. any ending good." Um, so. um, what about um, your kind of the training aspect? I've uh, like, do you, you kind of how do you kind of look at that instead of uh, like what is your training kind of philosophy? Do you like weights does it like this like what what is it cardio like do you do implement all these other things like how do you kind of implement training um i'm pretty predominantly like strength-based training or mm. like so all weighted or as much as possible um i don't like to implement a lot of cardio um not for myself not for my clients unless it's really needed or unless they have specific fitness goals like if they're working towards like a run or something like that, then that's fine. I'd obviously integrate some cardio, but for the everyday individual that's just after either like fat loss or muscle gain, I don't really put much cardio in there all just enough to, you know, tick off that heart health factor um, and, you know, monitor steps. But majority of my program in is just weights. I think that gets the best results. I think it burns the most calories if you're looking for weight loss, you know, lifting weights is going to get you a lot further than cardio alone. Um, but yeah, pretty, pretty standard style of training. I like to do a lot of supersets to just get the heart rate up a little bit more and make the most of the time. Cause I find a lot of my clients are time poor. So I'll normally um, do a few compound exercises at the start. So something heavier like squats or deadlifts, 
and then the rest of the workout will be little supersets to just try and get through as much as possible um, without going over. I find most people don't have more than an hour to train, including their warm-up and cool-down, so I try and keep it under about the one-hour mark. Um, But, yeah, that's kind of my style. I like to make it really enjoyable for my clients too. I get really great feedback actually on my training programs that they're really fun, um, which is good because I think if you look forward to your session, you give a lot more and you don't have to drag yourself to the gym or as if it's like a really grueling session and you absolutely hate it or it's a style you don't enjoy then you're not really going to be as willing to get yourself mm-hmm. to the gym yeah i feel like a lot of people will run they really don't like it and they don't yeah but they think it's you know i'm gonna go for a run because i need to lose weight and it's like okay but there are definitely other ways to do it so if you love running sure run absolutely but if you don't like it don't do it <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's really important to find the right training for each client. Um, and fortunately, like most clients that come to me already know what I'm about. They've seen me train and they also want to do what I do or, you know, follow a similar style. So it's really easy to write programs for those kind of clients that are just like, oh, you know, I just want to work on things like I'm happy to do whatever you think, um, which is really good. But then I often do get a lot of requests of specific things you know there might be clients that are like i don't want to do anything heavy i don't care about being strong i just want to be really fit and really toned can i do more circuits and a few sprints and you know i want to feel dead at the end of my workout like if that's what they ask for that's what they get Mm -hmm. and what is what do you have like a favorite equipment or anything like that no um not really i mean dumbbells and barbells are plenty so like some clients don't even like to use machines um i don't like to rely too much on machines so i think there's plenty you can do with just a set of dumbbells and a barbell with some extra weight on there so you know that kind of tends to do the job but there's not really anything i favor more than anything else okay yeah well this has been like one of my favorite conversations i don't know also you, you know you're a little you have like that australian vibe i don't know what to call it um <laughs> where like you have like this you know you said rubbish i was just confused for a second um and i was like what did she say like that, what what are some words that like in australia that you say that we don't kind of uh understand too much that's different like definitely like the rubbish and trash thing is a difference but english say rubbish as well oh that is true that is true yeah english say rubbish um you guys for like tinfoil you guys say aluminum but we call it aluminium no that's not that's not right Uh, aluminium it's aluminum but we usually just say tinfoil (laughs) tinfoil we say tinfoil too but we don't say yeah aluminum yeah. <laughs> we just pronounce things a little differently but off the top of my head like there's not too much else that you say like we don't really say like garbage or you know how you guys uh-huh. it, but like that's we would always say rubbish like if we're talking about like trash we always say rubbish <laughs> that was like, i was so confused by that i was like okay <laughs> um so yeah I, that's that's interesting um is there any bad misconceptions we have about you i've always i've asked at least one or two australian people but there's always something else. Um. Um, well, most people bring up the kangaroo thing and are like, oh, no, we don't actually have kangaroos hopping about everywhere, but we kind of do. <laughs> oh, for real? Okay. 
Okay, that's something new. Not in the city, but if you go like a little further out, like probably about an hour outside of the city, depending on like which state you live in. But my family in Melbourne is about an hour out of Melbourne City. Um, and there's definitely kangaroos. <laughs> you wake up in the morning and you look out the window and there will be kangaroos hopping about. But they are actually savage. They For are real? Really okay. They're huge. They are a little bit stupid. So if you're driving down the street, you know, in that particular area, it's like more uh, like dirt roads and back streets and things like that. And if you're driving late at night, there's no street lights. It's just your car's headlights. And the kangaroos will just like hop about in the middle of the, you know, you have to drive really slowly so you don't hit one. But if you hit a kangaroo at full speed, obviously accidentally, but you know, if they jump in front of your car, they can do so much damage that they will write your car off. They'll total your car. That's how like massive and heavy they are. So it's actually really dangerous and scary and you don't want to get too close to one because they will literally punch you in the face. For real? Oh, this- <laughs> Now, now you scared me. Australia scares me now. Um, no, they're not all like that. But it's just you know, if you if you're at the zoo or something, they're obviously trained and you can like pat them. But you know, normally they just like run really fast. Sometimes they run in front of your car, so you have to be careful. But they are kind of everywhere in the outback kind of areas. Wow, wow, that's interesting. <laughs> I'd be so I don't know it, because we don't have them over here. It's just they're so bizarre. Um, yeah. It's like, what? Um, we don't see a lot of koalas, though. Like, that's like you see them at the zoo. And I mean, I'm sure they're around, but like, it, I don't know if I've ever really seen a koala just living my normal life in a tree. Like, wow. It's beautiful out there, too, right? Is that like the, the big aspect? Yeah. I mean, it depends exactly where you are, but most states are pretty lovely. Like I'm really lucky that I live in Brisbane now, which is a very, um, it has a bit of a coastal vibe because we're only about an hour pretty much in either direction that you go north or south. There's like beautiful beaches within about an hour or 45 minutes. So it's really nice where I live because it feels like a city where we are, but we're so close to the beach. Um, and the weather's really great here, um, especially in Brisbane and the Gold Coast, it's, you know, we don't get much of a winter, very similar to California where, you know, our winter is still not overly cold. We might have a few rainy days, but it's like, you know, you don't often have to wear a jumper. A jumper is another Australian thing. We don't say sweater, we say jumper. Wait, a jumper? So that's a sweater? Yeah. That's bizarre. (laughs) That's not... What? I did not know that. I thought thought a jumper was something like you, like a full suit kind of thing. No. Jumper oh. is a sweater. <laughs> okay, so everybody knows that a jumper is a sweater. Okay. What a fun fact. Yes. <laughs> we'll end it on the fun fact. That's what okay. I, I think everyone needs to know. A jumper is a sweater. End of story. I feel like you should um, you should integrate that into every podcast from now on and finish on a fun fact. Fun fact. <laughs> I'm going to do that. All right. I'm going to start doing that. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. Thank you, everybody. And um, a jumper is a sweater. <laughs>